When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Picks it up off the floor and sends it up to Shire, running it up the right side. Comes stationary for the jumper. Otto! We're anxious to start practice. Individual work is good, but I think you really get to a clearer picture once you start going five on five. This is Blue Devil 360, the official podcast of Duke Athletics. And welcome in to another edition of Blue Devil 360. I'm David Shoemate. Practice starts for the Duke men's basketball program tomorrow, and with that, we thought it would be a good opportunity to check in to see how things are going with the program. Assistant coach John Shire was kind enough to join us. We'll start the conversation in just a second, but first a quick note on Shire. He begins his fourth year as a full assistant here at Duke, his fifth with the program. And over the summer, in a poll conducted by CBS Sports of 100 anonymous head coaches across the country, he was voted as the most likely assistant coach to one day be a successful head coach. It's been an eventful summer for Shire that included getting married, and that's where we picked up our conversation with the assistant coach for Duke. Yeah, we got uh, Marcel, my wife and I, we got uh, married at May 6th. You know, it's funny, someone yesterday just asked me the date of when we got married, and uh, that's the first time I've been asked that question, so I kind of had to think about for about <laughs> a half a second, just that half a second, but now I got it down. More important to remember that next year. In this <laughs> <laughs> no question, no question, but married life has been good. Um, we actually have some good news on the way. We, uh, we're, we're due in February. We have a baby girl on the way, so that's you know, surprising and exciting. Um, so, yeah, w- things are good. Congratulations. Some Thank you. News there. Uh, it was funny. I was actually talking with uh, Gerald yesterday, and Nolan just got married, and he's getting married in the spring. Did you guys time this out, or, or was this planned? You know, it's similar to when we committed back in the day. I committed. Gerald Henderson committed the next day after me, and then Brian Zubek committed right after him, back-to-back-to-back days. So, um, you know, they kind of follow me around a little bit ever since (laughs) we were young. That's basically what I'm trying to say. (laughs) Uh, The other milestone, in August, you turned 30. Uh, Yes. How was that for you? You know, it was – and actually, uh, of all birthdays, it it took me about – I just took a couple minutes that day, and, you know, I – was trying to figure out if what that really meant turning 30 and uh that day I was playing uh, Nolan and I we try to play to keep in shape it's hard for me just to get on a treadmill I have to play and uh I felt like I I kind of pulled my hamstring right away that oh, day no. <laughs> so <laughs> it kind of had me thinking like uh 
30 was an actual thing, but I bounced back. I feel young still, and uh, the mind is young. So I'd say the recovery period's not as good once you turn <laughs> 30. Exactly. But uh, the next day uh, when we were playing, I dove on the floor for loose ball, and so hopefully uh, I'll be able to do that throughout my throughout my 30s. Nice. And also uh, second season of the off season. Uh, how's the podcast going? Yeah, no, it's been a great experience. Uh, you know, when we started, we didn't really know what we were doing and what we were getting into. Uh, this summer, like you said, with getting married and uh, recruiting and coaching our guys, it's been a crazy summer, and so the podcast has been terrific. But, I mean, as you know, you, you prepare for it, and it's been a challenge. So uh, it's been a great experience. We've gotten a chance to connect with a lot of great guys, and I'm glad we've done this. Thanks. Uh, well, let's talk about the team a little bit going into this yeah. season. Obviously, the late addition of, of Marvin Bagley. Uh, what does he bring to the squad? Yeah, well, Marvin, it's been great to see him because I think once you see guys in high school, um, AAU season, during the season, during their high school seasons, I think you know them, but you really get to know them once they get here. So for us, it's been exciting to see Marvin uh, these last few weeks in school. Uh, I think I think a few things stand out. One, his his natural ability that he has is obvious, and um, it's very exciting. You know, he's six eleven. He can shoot the ball from the perimeter. He can drive it. He can handle. He can rebound. Uh, but then I think how hard he plays has been very uh, – that has stood out. He has a great motor. He runs the floor very hard and well. And then third, he's been a terrific teammate. You know, he's thrown himself into our group, uh, been great to the other guys. Guys have welcomed, welcomed him with open arms. So that's been great to see. He's going to wear number 35. Danny Ferry yes. said he'd let him wear his number. What was that process like for you guys? Did you kind of work through that knowing that might be something he would want? Yeah, it was something that came up, and I think we've you know discussed this a little bit in the past just from the standpoint of we're running out of numbers a little bit, and fortunately we've had a lot of great players who have played here, and you know the criteria of being national player of the year in something, um, and then also graduating. It's uh, We've been fortunate to have a lot of guys who have done that, and so when guys come here, it's very limited the numbers you can have, and so it kind of came up, uh, you know, organically. Marvin asked about it, and you know, uh, Jeff Capel talked to Danny Ferry about it, and just very casual. And Danny was excited by the idea, and we would only do it if the guy felt it was something he wanted uh, someone to wear his number. And so uh, it's a cool thing. There was a lot of talk coming into the season about the front court before Bagley was ever added. Guys like Bolden and, and Carter. What does he add to the mix? And as a coach, it's it's great to have riches, but what sort of challenges does that present having a number of guys who can go in and play? Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, I think guys know they need to come in and play hard. And, uh, you know, we can play fast. We can run the court. And so it's it's always good when you have multiple guys who can do that. Um, you know, you look at our team, and we felt great about it. And you have Marquise Bolden, Antonio Vrankovic, and Javin Delarier all returning. And I think their experience they got – in practice, when you practice for an entire year, they got some good moments in games. So they're ready, and then you add in Wendell and Marvin. Uh, I think it's versatility. You know, that's what Marvin adds, you know, because he can play the four, he can play the five, the th whatever. He, he can play anywhere. And so you can have a lineup, even though it's you would call them two big guys, uh, where they can step away from the basket, catch and face, and shoot threes and pass. So I think that, that makes it challenging for defenses. When you look at the backcourt, obviously Grayson Allen is back, but now you've got Duvall and, and Trent to mix in there. Uh, what do you expect from those guys this year? Yeah, well, all three of those guys are talented. I think Grayson's shooting will be key for us. And, you know, he has the ability to score 30 in a night um, and really to space the floor. And Gary can do the same thing. He's a very good shooter. 
and Trayvon's ability to get in the paint and create for others. I think the key for him then will be hitting a standstill shot. That'll be big, and that's something he's done a really good job working on. Um, but for those guys, I think if they play together and, and if, if we play together and make sure we take great shots because I think w- all of us are used to, when you look at that group of Gary, Trayvon, uh, Grayson, having to create a lot of one-on-one shots where I think for this team, if we create for each other, I think that's uh, that will be a big thing. I know there's a lot of talented freshmen coming in, but also a good mix of returning guys. Obviously, the great run through Brooklyn to win the ACC tournament, but in Greenville, losing in the second round, how much of a motivating factor does that serve for some of the returning guys this year? Yeah, well, I, I think it's always hard when you lose, but I think we lost because we weren't as tough as we wanted to be. And so and that, that, in addition, uh, is a big motivator. Um, and I think it's caused us to do some really good things this summer. Uh, and in this day and age in basketball, it's not like when I played where we had basically our entire team returning for junior, senior year. And you've gone through a bunch of heartbreaks. And now we have one guy, and that's Grayson. You know, Antonio, Javin, Jack, uh, Justin Robinson. They've gone through it, but just a couple years. So um, I think it's important those guys don't don't forget that. Uh, those guys pass it down to the younger guys how precious the season is, and especially the postseason. You guys had a handful of practices over the summer and have been doing workouts individually and in small groups. You know, we kind of talk about some of the headliners. Who's jumped out to you that maybe people aren't talking about? Yeah, people uh, I think will be really surprised by Jack White. You know, Jack has done a terrific job this summer. He's an older guy. Um, you know, he's had experience playing in Europe where uh, you play up, you know, at a young age. Uh, he's very physical. He's 6'6", 225. He can guard one through four. And everybody loves playing with him. And, you talk, you know, we talked about toughness in that South Carolina game. And uh, he is very, very tough. And so I think he'll be a guy, a key contributor, and um, really will add a lot to our team this year. Getting ready to kickstart camp. How important are the next six weeks to the – eventual success or what success may lay down the road once the season begins? Yeah, it's huge. You know, we're anxious to start practice and individual work is good, but I think you really get to uh, a clearer picture once you start going five on five. And I think we'll uh, we'll see a lot of new things that um, – nothing that me and you have talked about. I think sure, new yeah. things will develop. And so uh, um, we're anxious to get going. So I want to talk about you uh, a little bit and, and kind of your coaching career. Fourth full year as an assistant, fifth year with the program coming yep. into this season. At what point for you, I'm, I mean, I know all the success in your playing career and coming up, at, at what point did you start to think about maybe I'd like to get into the coaching business? Yeah, well, you know, when I was young, I felt like I had a big imagination. I remember a couple things, you know, thinking back to even when I was in junior high. And I would always remember two things from the basketball side. One, I would always be in the driveway – and I'd be Michael Jordan, you know, because I'm from Chicago and watching the Bulls in the 90s. And uh, you're shaking my head. You're shaking your head like I can't be Michael <laughs> Jordan. I don't know. What. <laughs> but uh, I felt I was him. And I'd be practicing game winners. And, uh, you know, I'd dream about playing in the NBA for the Bulls. And, uh, and then I would also dream about being a coach someday. And I remember I had this notebook, and I would draw in – uh, like fake rosters, fake college rosters. And I would have Duke and North Carolina and Kansas and Michigan State, all these teams, and uh, I would write out all these plays. And so for me at a young age, I thought, you know, I thought I would play in the NBA for, you know, I, I wanted to win a national championship and I want to play in the NBA. And then I thought I would coach eventually. I didn't know that I would coach at a young age, but mm-hmm. in retrospect, I think it really was a, 
amazing thing for me because I'm 30 and I have five years of experience under my belt. So I'm very, uh, I'm very thankful that I've been able to get a head start with this career. Yeah, and you're playing in Europe, I think, when you got the phone call. A yeah. As you said, young into the coaching profession, but what about it made you want to get into it or make the decision at that point? Well, I think for me, when I, when I played the game, it was about the love of the game. And when I was young, uh, I, I dreamed about playing in college. I dreamed about playing the NBA. Playing overseas, it was, it was tough for me being away from my family. And really what kept me going was the paycheck and the, and the money. And so when uh, – when I knew there was an opportunity, I, I, I felt I was ready. And then and the opportunity just happened to come my way, and Chris Collins had called me and said he wanted me to come with him to Northwestern. And, you know, having the relationship I had with Coach, I naturally called him and just said, hey, Coach, you know, uh, this is what I'm thinking about. And Coach just said, well, if you're going to go anywhere, I'd love for you to – you should come to your home, to, to Duke. And so I jumped at it, and uh, a month later I played my last game. You talked about the strategy of mapping out who's going to play in different teams you right. did when you were a kid. Uh, what about the coaching profession has surprised you? Is it, you know, how much of it is mentoring and maybe not game strategy and stuff like that? What, what stood out to you that maybe you weren't expecting coming in? Well, I think you don't realize that probably in, in my, in our profession, the actual coaching that you do maybe is half of the job. And there's a lot of other things that go into it, especially at a place like Duke. And so for me, the first year was very eye-opening because of that. Uh, you know, recruiting obviously is a big part, and you need to get really good players and people in your program. But, uh, you know, from fundraising to scheduling, you know, it never crosses your mind when you're a player, like when you schedule things and how, why and how <laughs> and, uh, you know, little things like on the road. All right, what time will the guys eat breakfast? You know, you never think about, you know, planning that out and it's something now it comes more naturally when you're playing were you thinking like man the coaches have it easy and now like she's <laughs> on the other foot <laughs> well I never thought that because Wojo and Cece made it clear how hard they worked and they tell you and uh if you messed up in a play they make it clear how much film they watched four years deep into it do you feel like your coaching philosophy has changed at all or is it reinforced what you thought it might be when you came in I think it's different. You know, I, I think there's – I think I've learned in the to the, the 2015 team taught me this, but um, I think there's different ways to win. You know, there's not one way that it has to be done or that it uh, – one, one way for it to work. And, you know, the 2015 national championship team really was the total opposite of mine. You know, our team, you know, in 2010 was – you know, we went through years of heartbreak, and we were tougher and together and, you know, all these things. We found a great style that fit us. The 2015 team was, like, loose and had fun, and they weren't afraid. It was just incredibly uh, – and, and I think what Coach did was he followed that, and he didn't try to take it out of them. He tried to continue to build that. And so, for me, I think it's uh, – there's not one way to do it, I would say, is the thing I've learned. You always look back at the journey in those championship moments. 10 as a player, 15 as a coach. How were the two different for you? And was one more enjoyable than the other, more rewarding? Well, I think, you know, you always dream about definitely uh, playing in a national championship. And there's nothing quite like that moment. I'll never forget bringing the ball up the court. You know, it's a minute left in the national championship game. And we're playing Butler. And I feel the whole stadium, you know, stand to their feet. And there's 70,000 people. And... 
uh, for a split second, I was just remembering, like, you know, this is pretty damn cool. <laughs> <laughs> and I think just to soak that in. And uh, for me as a coach, then on the flip side, you know, I remember the, the morning of that game, uh, you know, we're, we're talking about Wisconsin, how they defended ball screens. They don't really step in hard. And so often if you come off it hard, there's a shot there for you as a guard. You don't have to make a lot of reads. It's just the shot. And so I'll never forget practicing that shot with Tyus. And, of course, in the game, Tyus hits a few of them down the stretch. And it's really right after his Sports Illustrated cover. Uh, that's right after he hit one of those shots. And to see that happening in that type of moment for Tyus, um, it's really hard to explain, like, how good you feel seeing that happen for another guy. So both were different. Both were awesome. And I'd take either one again this season. <laughs> For sure. A, a big part of coaching these days is recruiting, and particularly with, with the incoming freshman classes you guys have had. What, do, what have you taken from the recruiting process? What do you like about it? Well, I like getting to know people, and fortunately, we, we get to deal with incredibly uh, smart, good, talented people uh, and their families. And so uh, it's been a pleasure just getting to know them throughout the process. And I think we have a lot to offer. And, you know, I'm not at a place. I never feel like I'm selling something. You know, it's really just building relationships and uh, getting to know people because I feel this is the best place in the world. <laughs> so um, I've enjoyed it. It's been uh, it's been really that's been the most surprising thing for me, how much I've enjoyed it since I've gone back in coaching. And your recruitment process, I read right before you had a 48 point game in a high school playoff game, you got a phone call from, from Coach K. I'm curious, one, tell us about that story, but two, have you had a moment like that in the recruiting process where you got to talk to somebody and then they went out and had, had a big moment or, or you got to talk to them before a big moment in their high school career? Yeah, well, um, I'll never for, forget that game because the game before that one, we won a close game and there's, uh, I remember the score actually, it was 37-36. And that's, if that doesn't tell you you need a shot clock in <laughs> high school, I don't know what does. And uh, we were up by one, and the team held the ball for the last two minutes for the final shot. It was pretty crazy. But I remember calling coach before the game because my, my high school coach's mother had just passed away, and he wasn't really in practice, and as he shouldn't have been. Um, and we were going through a lot, and uh, Coach Basie just told me to follow my heart. And I think when I've followed – my heart, and I think that's the advice coaches shared with me ever since high school, all throughout my playing career. And when I've done that to the fullest, I think good things have happened. And we went out, and um, we uh, were going in the circle to shake hands with the captains before the game, and the other team walked away without shaking our hands, like on purpose. And so that was kind of like the final moment where it got me angry, and I was played my best when I followed my heart, but also when I was pissed. And so it uh, ended up working out. We played a great game and won. Um, and then uh, for me, on the flip side, I remember a couple moments where, uh, you know, with, with Jason Tatum in high school. And uh, just the fact that I talked to him before the game, he went out and scored like 40, like six times. And so maybe or something <laughs> I said, maybe it wasn't. But he, he went out and did some big things afterwards. So I'll, uh, I would like to think maybe, maybe it was something I said. I want to get your thoughts on a couple of things surrounding the state of the game today. A lot of the rules implementations last year's meant about freedom of movement and trying to improve scoring and things like that. And just overall, just the, that it's had become too physical. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a, I actually tend to think that we've gone the opposite way. I think there's a lot of, I think there's a lot of plays that happen now that are incidental contact that become flagrant fouls. And I don't like that aspect because, you know, like I was, 
you know, I was taught growing up, like you don't allow someone just to lay the ball in. You you go for it clean, and but you go after the ball. And I think naturally sometimes in our sport it happens where guys fall down a certain way or you get hit a certain way, and not that's intentional. But I think uh, I don't know how much I love that because you can't you can't always help it. So I I, I am concerned about that. Um, and it is still a physical game. I think the freedom of movement is a good thing. I think that's good. Um, but I hope you still keep the game where uh, physical plays are allowed because I think that's part of it. When you see guys statistically, I was struck looking at your numbers in college, the, the consistency from the three-point shooting line. And, and you see other guys in college kind of go up and down year by year. What can you offer those guys in terms of habits or, or what you did that made you so consistent every year of your career? Well, I think it was – you know, shot selection, and, you know, for me, actually, I went through a couple games each year where I, I probably couldn't throw a penny in the ocean. I was uh, went through a few games like that, which hurt my shooting percentage, but I think overall it was pretty consistent, and I just, you know, spent a lot of time in the gym and um, always tried to take the right shot, whatever that was, and I think I was okay if one, my, uh, probably a couple of my teammates would disagree with me, but... If there was one game I took six shots and another game I took 20, it didn't really matter to me. It was about winning. Um, but I think uh, Brian Zubek would tell you he, he, I could have thrown <laughs> a few more shots his way probably. Well, I appreciate you coming on, uh, Blue Double 360. I know you have Mount Rushmore. Yes. Uh, we kind of have our own little twist on that. We were doing some of the football players doing essentially a rapid-fire segment. So these, right. are, these are quick hitters. Got it. Think about it. Before I get into this, did you really give your grandmother a fake scratch off? <laughs> <laughs> that is true. That is true. But uh, I didn't feel great about that one afterwards. Uh, I will say the 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 most proud I've ever been of pranking somebody is my best friend. Uh, after we won the national championship in 2010, I tweeted his number and his phone. Um, it was my birth. I turned 30, 30 this year, as you mentioned. Yeah. And he was still getting messages from oh, me no. tweeting his number, you know, to his phone. Because so you tweeted back out and told people to stop, right? But I at did. that point, it was over. People <laughs> exactly. saved it and they were ready exactly. to go. <laughs> so it's, it's the best. He always goops texts us, and occasionally he still gets texts to this day. So I am proud of that one. Okay, we'll dive into <laughs> it. Uh, that one aside, so that's number one. Best place to get pizza in Chicago? Luminati's, no question. Coolest place you've ever lived? Grand Canaria, Spain. Beach or mountains for vacation? Beach. Best shot you ever hit? ACC Championship 2010 versus Georgia Tech. Best video gamer on the team. Coaches included. Me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what do you put on a hot dog? Pickle, ketchup, you go Chicago mustard. style? <laughs> I, I go Chicago style with ketchup. So I do ketchup, mustard, pickle, tomato, celery, salt, and uh, uh, grilled onions is also I throw in there. All right. Favorite Duke uniform combo? Um, all blacks is pretty good. There you go. Favorite yeah. TV show? I would say... Narcos is a, a very good show. Cool. Last yeah. one. Outside of the off season, what's your favorite podcast? <laughs> <laughs> well, yours, right? There I you mean, go. Blue Devil 360. Yeah, I appreciate absolutely. that. <laughs> Blue Devil 360, no question. Also, Bill Simmons. I'll say those two I, I really like. But, uh, yeah. It's been great to have you on. Uh, appreciate you coming on the podcast, talking with us a little bit. Thanks for uh, having me and looking forward to a great season with you. So, welcome. Uh, welcome and thank you.